Welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we'll be continuing our discussion with now very worshipful brother, Nathan Davis, Grand Chaplain of the Grand Lodge of New Brunswick. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. Hello, my name is Matthew Apple, and I'm a Freemason down here in the great state of Washington. And to our north, we have our hosts, Worship Brothers Stephen Chung and Jared Dunham from the Grand Lodge of British Columbia in Yukon. And well, to my south, at least, we have a very worshipful brother, David Colbeth, who's also a Mason here in Washington. And today we have um, a continuation of our discussion with very worshipful brother, Nathan Davis, who is the recently installed uh, Grand Chaplain of the Grand Lodge of New Brunswick. So very worshipful, sir. Thank you for, for gracing our podcast for um, coming yet again. We appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, so, Steve, you said you had a, a question you wanted to ask about about said Grand yes. Lodge involvement. Yeah. So, you know, you've, you've got quite the interesting journey through Freemasonry so far that we've heard. I'd like to hear about your ascension into the Grand Lodge and how that happened so quickly as well. I don't think, well, I mean, yes, quick in terms of scope of experience, but uh, the process by which it came became a Grand Lodge officer was not easily defined and very straight and narrow. It started actually on my anniversary. I got a call from somebody I didn't know. His name was Tom Borthwick. He said, Nathan. I said, yes. I said, it's Tom Borthwick. I said, okay. <laughs> Who? He said, well, I'm running to be the Grand Chaplain next year. And I was wondering if you, if you would consider being my Grand Senior Deacon. I said, well, that's uh, an honor. I appreciate it because some roles are appointed, some are elected. This was an appointed role. And he called me back two hours later, still on my anniversary. And my wife is getting a little bit frustrated about the fact I'm talking a lot of stuff on my anniversary, but I bought roses, so it's okay. And he said, unfortunately, I've got to rescind that offer because I actually forgot I offered it to someone else. I said, well, thanks for the considering me for the role. I appreciate it. And, you know, maybe we'll talk again in a year. He said, no, I'll talk to you again in the next couple of days. I've got something for you. Okay, we we roll with these things. This is this is how we do things. So he called me a couple of days later. He said, uh, "You know, how would you like to be my grand chaplain?" And I said, "Well, you know, you know, I'm Jewish, and in St. John, especially, there's not a huge Jewish community, and even even in New Brunswick, there's a very small Jewish community. Number of Jewish masons would be proportionally less. My lodge was actually called as a subtitle, the Jewish Lodge, because that's where a lot of Jewish people managed to go through lodge, not recently. And he said, yes. And I said, well, you know, it's, people might struggle with the idea because they've had a lot of clergy uh, in the Christian faith become uh, their grand chaplain. And I said, you know, I'm obviously not, and I'm proud to be Jewish and I'm proud to hold the office if I'm successful. He said, we are an organization that prides itself on welcoming all faiths. Let's put that to the test. And I said, okay, well, we'll do that. I didn't know this at the time. 
uh, and I found out by accident that the role of Grand Chaplain in New Brunswick, according to our Constitution, is an electable role. In the history of the Grand Lodge of New Brunswick, no one has ever, there's never been a contest for it. Usually one person gets asked by each Grand Master if there's more than one running, and that person is successful, and that's sort of the end. But in this case, this year, for whatever reason, uh, two people expressed interest in the role of becoming the Grand Chapel of the Grand Lodge of New Brunswick. And I found that out about two days before the paperwork was actually due. So I had to scramble around, get the signatures and get all the stuff in on time. And then COVID being what it was, uh, some lodges were open, some were closed, some would close the day of when I was going to go do a visit and not to politic or ask for votes, but just to be seen. Hi, my name's Nathan, and if you ask, I am running to be the Grand Chaplain of Grand Lodge New Brunswick, and here's some ideas that I would like to pursue. And I did that for a couple of months, and the election was held, and I was the successful candidate in running for the role. And so I am. I lay claim to being the first Jewish Grand Chaplain of the Grand Lodge New Brunswick after 157 years. Our lodge predates Grand Lodge by... Uh, about 50 of those years. So we're under the jurisdiction of the Grand Lodge of Nova Scotia, which I'm wondering if I claim to be first Jewish Grand Chaplain of Nova Scotia too. That's a conversation for a different podcast. 50 years before the Grand Lodge was formed? Yeah, our lodge was, uh, our charter says uh, May 4th, 1802. And the Grand Lodge of New Brunswick was formed in 1867. Wow. And we're now in almost 2022. That's awesome. I, I know there was, was it just format, four lodges, or was there more than four lodges that, I think it was like almost eight or something, wasn't there? And the first, I don't know. There were four just lodges four? that formed the Grand Lodge of Washington. Yeah, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. Was it just four? But it wasn't like 50 years. It was only a few years. It wasn't 50 years. That's, a, that's amazing. That's incredible. So you're uh, so, just out of curiosity, how many in, in New Brunswick there, how many elected Grand Lodge offices are there? Is it just so, the Grand Master? Or? <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so in the Grand Lodge of New Brunswick, according to our constitution, and I've had the experience of becoming intimately acquainted with our constitution over the last two years, something every master should do to put themselves to sleep. You don't need sleep pills. You just start reading constitution. That'll put you to sleep. But um, according to constitution, the grand master, deputy grand master, senior junior grand wardens, uh, right now, uh, grand chaplains, one of the things I actually want to change in my office is making sure it gets to be an appointed role because I have this vision of the grand chaplaincy being above politics. And you shouldn't be muddied through politics in a, in a moral high ground position like the Grand Chaplain. And the uh, Grand Treasurer is an elected role. And the um, Grand Tyler is an elected role, but that's done by one vote at Grand Lodge. It's usually just, it's, it's, a, form, it's a formality. No one, that's also never been contested in the history of the Grand Lodge in New Brunswick, but it's there for some reason, so. Is your grand all the other grand secretary elected as well? No, that's appointed. Is it really? It is. Yeah, and there, there's there's some debate, ongoing debate about some things that have come up during this particular grand lodge in terms of the election, who should be elected, who shouldn't be. I think uh, there'll be. I know that I want my role to be an appointed role, 
again, for the reasons I've just discussed, that it really, you shouldn't have to be politicking to hold a, a chaplaincy role, that you shouldn't have to muddy the name of chaplaincy by dragging into politics. Are your local lodges, do they mimic the same elected positions or, or is your secretary elected at lodge level? Um, our lodges have the, mostly the same principles uh, for the most part. Interesting. In state of Washington, it's master, of course, wardens, and then treasurer and secretary. If there's two people, they can be a combined role, but those are elected positions. In the Grand Lodge, there isn't a treasurer, grand treasurer. Uh, this is just a grand secretary. Hmm. And then the other positions are appointed. It's interesting. So if you had, not that there's a, supposed to be an official progressive line because they're all elected, right? But how, is there a, a starting role that you might say in your Grand Lodge that you get either appointed or elected to, and that's kind of this assumption of the start of the progressive line. Well, it, it, I've, I've heard two versions and because I have such limited experience, both in masonry and in especially Grand Lodge, uh, I don't know how that actually works. I know that if you want a taste of Grand Lodge, just, just to get an idea of how things work at the Grand Lodge level, uh, a quiet word to the oh the the district deputy grandmasters are also appointed roles by the grandmasters. Uh, a quiet word to the district deputy, and he'll put in. You know, we've got uh, brother John Smith, and he's expressed interest. We have something we can uh, give him, so he can get a taste of Grand Lodge. Because we have you know Grand Hotter, Grand uh, Grand Percivant, you know Grand Junior, Grand Senior Deacons. The grand stewards are actually just serving masters uh, and they sign in as grand stewards at Grand Lodge. If you want a taste of what being a Grand Lodge officer is like, you probably want to start with the appointed roles first. There's nothing saying you can't, but I would, I would think that people would not look fondly on the idea that you're running for junior grand warden when you haven't done any other Grand Lodge offices. That would be, I would have a problem uh, I wouldn't do it myself, but I would be really cautious about someone who made that jump in at that level right away. Not that you can't, I just don't think it would be well received. I'm always fascinated by that. I never can say it quite right. The grand persevant. It It's a role we don't have in our grand line. It, isn't that pronounced the grand persuavant? Persuavant. Yeah. Yeah, see, well, I got. I it told depends. You. I told you. <laughs> and there was, I think it was Montana one time. We had a visitation from the from the guy from Montana. Oh, I'm here. Don't he, worry. Still, okay. You. <laughs> okay. I thought we lost you. Uh, we had a visitation from the Grand Lodge of Montana and the Grand Persuavant, Persevant, whatever <laughs> that Ball. that guy. <laughs> he was there, and essentially in their in their line, it is the first step of the, of to, to the East, essentially it's an appointed position, but the assumption is that if you continue, you will become grandmaster in 10 years, whatever it is. Mm, I think, I think in BC that starts at uh, the junior grand warden, isn't it Jared? Yeah. First, first, first step is to get elected junior grand warden and that sets you on the train <laughs> to nowhere. No. Yeah. So, cause I know, uh, all the other offices, like at, at election, junior grand warden is elected, grand treasurer, grand secretary are elected. Everything else is appointed. 
in our in our Grand Lodge. And the the first yeah, and the, the like being appointed Grand Pursuivant or a Grand Steward or a Grand even Grand Chaplain is not necessarily your beginning to go through Grand Lodge. It's just an appointed office for a year. Um, a lot of people just do that and don't do anything ever, anything more in like any other Grand Lodge office, although they will probably sit on multiple committees, which is not a good route. And they still get elected into uh, the senior Grand Warden and, and uh, the deputy Grand Master's roles, don't they? It's nope. It's not, well, there's no vote on it. It's just assumed that if, as long as, long as nothing bad has happened and they haven't stepped down, they just move on to the next seat. Oh, there's, there's no, there's, there's not no official election. election. There's no, the only, at, at Grand, uh, this might be get. I don't know if it's getting too nitpicky, but at Grand Lodge here in British Columbia, we vote for the Junior Grand Warden, Grand Junior Warden. I always get those mixed up. Junior, Junior Grand Warden, Grand Junior Warden, Junior Grand Warden, sorry. <laughs> Because it's a grand, he's a grand warden and he's the junior one. So yeah, ju- we vote for junior grand warden, and then next year we'll vote for the next junior grand warden, and everyone will move up a chair. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, the theory is the progression at the senior level. Um, now, there's I always I and this shows that you always learn new things because I thought I thought in my head that the progression was. District Deputy Grandmaster, Junior Grand Warden, Senior Grand Warden, Deputy Grandmaster, and Grandmaster. Uh, it was pointed out to me very recently that in order to move up into the Junior Grand Warden, you don't necessarily have to be a past District Deputy Grandmaster. It probably doesn't hurt, but it's not a requirement to ascend to those offices. In terms of prerequisites, um, I, I was. I just thought it was a prerequisite. You served in the previous role before moving up to the next role. But as a matter of fact, as I learned through reading our page-turning constitution for the tenth time this year, it's not actually so. Any master mason can apply for any Grand Lodge office, elected or appointed, um, without having been, uh, without having served as the other offices first. Now, the odds of him being successful in that endeavor are a whole different question, but. In theory, uh, any master mason, or no, sorry, you have to have been a you have to have been a past master or serving master. But after that, there's no requirement to do any of the other offices. If you want to jump right in and run for the senior grand warden, you can do so. And I thought that was a little. It, it's there, I guess. I don't. I don't mind to say whether it's good or bad. I just thought it was. I thought it was a natural line of progression, but it's not necessarily, uh, as I said, some people go straight up the line and they don't take this wavy path. Others like me will just do our own little dance and figure out the map as we go along. Yeah, you'd be in British Columbia here. You'd be hard pressed to find a junior grand warden or a candidate for junior grand warden who hasn't served as district deputy grandmaster. It's not a requisite, but if you go through like our past um, proceedings, almost every single candidate for junior grand warden has been a past district deputy grandmaster. I would I would say that's the same here for this Washington. I don't know if you'd yeah, mass nod in his head. In some respects, there was a theory that you had to have been the 
grand lecturer too. That's was a kind of a automatic, you'd be district deputy at some point. And then the grand lecturer was the guy that everybody wanted to <laughs> see voted in. In theory, they would be appointed as the, as the grand lecturer, and then they would be the, the, uh, the prize child, but that has not necessarily seemed to be the exact sequence the last several years, at least since I've been a Mason has happened in some cases, but not in every case for sure. But interesting. You guys have an office called the Grand Lecturer, like That's, an official job of somebody has to go around and give nothing but lectures. Actually, it's even better than that. We have the Grand Lecturer is more or less is the person in charge of the work. So he's the keeper of the ritual and, and runs the ritual competition and tries to get everybody on the same page with the ritual and everything. We also have a grand orator whose job it is to show up at things and give inspiring speeches and say, you know, gosh, this cornerstone laying is really grand and we really love cornerstones and wow, we should do this again sometime. You guys have ritual competitions? We do indeed. Ah, I got to affiliate. <laughs> yeah it just was expanded a couple of years ago it was expanded we've always had a senior warden's competition which is the senior warden stepping in as the master and doing all of the work you have to do literally be able to do anything at any time all of it soup to nuts for the master's role and then the now they've added multiple other you know the charges or other pieces of the work and then team competition, but two years ago or three years ago, that was added. And these are and these are competitions held at the Grand Lodge Communications. You'd think that would be the right place to do it, but no. It depends not. on the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, usually, there's a district level, and then the district people go to sort of like they get four or five districts together and do a the whatever you want to call it a regional one. Although the regions aren't a, an official uh, unit. Uh, and then the, there'll be you know, a handful of people that will do the statewide one. And those people, I think once or twice it's been at Grand Lodge, but usually it's before Grand Lodge so that they can announce the winners and make a to-do over them. Interesting. Uh, I like the idea. We used to do that back in Demolay's Conclaves, but uh, um, uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. I'm going to have to affiliate in the Washington. Yeah, do you have to, do you, get, do you actually have to, have an address in in the state to join a lodge in that state six months you got you can borrow matt's address <laughs> i've got my black cube already feel free to come join our lunch <laughs> you have one of those little black cubes really i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yeah yeah uh well that'd be fun i i um i have not seen or heard of uh, ritual competitions uh in masonry in bc so um, you know, maybe I could make that a mission. Well, you're in charge of education for your district, so I have one. Well, not officially. I haven't been installed yet. They just, you know, I've been doing the work, but uh, I haven't been installed. So, you know, I guess if once that happens, maybe I can have a little more, you know, influence. Yeah, we could we could have a whole show. Nathan alluded to the idea of what's next in masonry after you become a mason and i don't have a lot of time on this one but that has been an <clears> issue <throat> with me and i've said it several times on the show and i'll say it to everybody that will listen to me even whether they want to listen or not that yeah we do a pretty good job of getting a guy into masonry and then getting him through the degrees we, it's all written out but then after he's a master mason 
what are we, what are we supposed to do with them? I just assumed that there'd be every Saturday morning. I'd have to go to a class at eight o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock, you know, for six months or a year, whatever, to learn how to be a Mason and what's next. And when that didn't happen, that became my expectation. And unfortunately now, if you said, Hey, David, when you start having you come out at Saturday mornings at eight o'clock, you know, to come to a class, I what are you talking about? <laughs> and so that, unfortunately that's now our expectation. So to change that can be difficult, but I think as we bring new guys in, we can start to develop that expectation and uh, they'll just automatically like, you know, they, like when you were saying, Nathan, when you came in and you were kind of given some additional roles and opportunities really to, to perform and to do things, it was probably just thought, you probably thought, Oh, that's just what I do. That's what I should do as a Mason. And as you kind of reflect now, a few years later, maybe realize that that's not necessarily how it works. It's just how it worked for you because you took advantage of the opportunity and were given the opportunity. It was, it was both, but I, I believe in progression in organizations and, um, you know, I saw in my lodge that it, it is, no one tells you you have to become an officer. You can get your master mason. You can sit on the bench for 40 years if you want. It would, I would be very heartbroken to see that, but there's no one telling you you have to become an officer. There's no one telling you you have to do anything after Master Mason. You can enjoy the benefits of the fraternity without any of the headaches um, of being the master of a lodge and doing all the things that we've done as masters or past masters or if you join concordant bodies. But I think there are, I, I think we can only show people what's out there. We can only show brothers what happens after Master Masons, and it's up to them to figure out if they want to do it. Because forcing someone to do something, you're you're either going to get a pushback on it, or they're going to leave. One of two things is going to happen. If you show them the door, and you show them all the doors that are there, they have to make the choice to walk through them. And we have to, we just have to show them what doors there are. Because when I after he became a master. I saw all the guys in the room with all their aprons, all their collars and all the rods and all this, that, and the other thing. And uh, gee, that's kind of cool. I want to be like them. I want a fancy collar too. Um, I didn't know what collars meant at the time and no one explained them to me, but as you go up, you learn these things. So I do feel it's incumbent on us to promote lodge leaders and promote leadership in the lodge. Well, when we bring them in through the six step program, part of that, process involves finding out what they're seeking, what they're looking for, and what they're hoping to uh, uh, obtain from joining Freemasonry. And those that have expressed interest in the rituals and in learning and whatnot, we point them in the direction of uh, lectures and and pieces of work that they uh, can identify with through their their, uh, three degrees. And those who... um, uh, seek out the knowledge. We point them in the direction of the uh, um, uh, Ashler College and, and other things like that that are available. Um, and then our mentor program, uh, each each of the guys in there um, works on one aspect or another. And so they'll get paired up with the guy who uh, best suits is best suited for them. And then uh, they'll help them over the next year or two find their way through and navigate through um, not only our lodge, but our district, right? 
Yeah, it's a. Well, sorry. Go ahead, Nathan. Uh, no, I just. Um, and the other thing is, um, there are Masons, there are brothers that that show leadership, that show that they're in it for the right reasons. Unfortunately, it does happen on occasion that some people get into leadership roles that. Uh, are not really able to be the leaders that sometimes we need them to be. And I look back over the last two years in COVID, right? Anybody can be a leader during great times. It's, well, it can be hard, but it's not as hard as being a leader during hard times. And when you have hard times, those are the people that, you know, if they show lodge leadership abilities, they should be encouraged to look at senior lodge offices because that's where I can't speak for your jurisdictions, but in New Brunswick, in order to vote, you either have to be a sitting junior or senior grand warden master or past master or any past grand lodge officer or sitting grand lodge officer. And I think, you know, when we when the secretary reads the minutes in a lodge and said, by the way, this is going to be discussed at Grand Lodge. If you have people who express strong opinions about whatever it is that's going to be discussed, those are the people you tag and you say, hey, I noticed you're really interested in this stuff. Maybe we should have a conversation about how you get to be part of the process. Um, because those, those are the people that are, that they don't tell you directly they're interested in, in Grand Lodge offices or officers or even being, if they're not yet senior, junior Grand Wardens or junior Wardens in the Lodge Grand or senior Wardens in the Lodge. But if they express interest in the debate about something that's being discussed at Grand Lodge, that should indicate to the sitting leadership of a Lodge, hey, this is someone who cares about the future of Masonry and wants to know more. Those are the people we can say, you know what, here's some ideas of where you go after you finish your stuff as Master of the Lodge, or once you get to Master of the Lodge, here's some other opportunities. Will they all go there? No. Again, it's about showing them the doors. It's up to them to walk through them. You know, if they say, well, you know, I don't want to get really neck deep into all the stuff in Grand Lodge, but I want to know what it's about, you know, take one of the offices where you just get to sit and watch everything and learn a little bit that way. And then after your term of office is over in that respect, then, then you'll be more informed about whether or not you want to continue in Grand Lodge or maybe step back. So for example, in my particular situation, uh, after my term of service is done as the Grand Chaplain, I fully intend on pursuing other offices in Grand Lodge. I think there's opportunities for growth and opportunities to help lodges and help them understand a little more that in order to be a Grand Lodge officer, you don't have to be old. You don't have to have white hair or no hair. You can do, you can be Grand Lodge officer without these things. It's more helpful if you have good ideas than the hair component and the age component. And so we're going to, uh, my job after I'm done Grand Chaplaincy is to visit as many lodges as I can, talk to the lodge officers, say, you know, who do you have coming up? Who's, who's shown some real initiative in your lodge? Who's, who's gone beyond just being a seat in the chair? Because, you know, we need good Grand Lodge officers to take up the craft at that level and take it into the next, uh, next direction we need to go as Masons, whatever that direction turns out to be.
And uh, I think we all hope that those leaders show themselves and, and continue to progress in our craft and, and uh, lead, the lead the lodges and the organization as a whole to where it needs to be because there's, yeah, we can always use people who, who have a vision and have the capability to carry out that vision. That's always important uh, in any setting. But on that note, um, thank you again, very worshipful Brother Nathan, for uh, for coming out this evening. We we appreciate you taking the time, especially I know it's we're all on the West Coast and you're you're further east than the East Coast, so we uh, <laughs> we appreciate your your spending some time with us and uh, staying up and and thank you very much for coming out. Thank you for having me again. I really appreciate it. And for everyone else, on behalf of uh, Worship Brother Stephen and Jared, and and uh, very Worship Brother David and myself, uh, thank you all for listening to the Working Tools Podcast. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Goodbye.